You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast from the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, November the 17th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we briefly touch on the Monday Night Massacre in Carolina. We briefly look at the film, and then we get you ready for Bucks Dolphins, and then we dive into my topic of the week. If you follow me on Twitter, at Wingfield NFL, you have seen my Twitter feed blowing up talking about the quarterback. Of the 2018 season, Ryan Tannehill, as I have written an article about him, I have been tweeting about him, I've been pulling up GIFs from the 2012 season, 2014 season, every single great Tannehill play I can find, I am pulling it up and and putting on Twitter, so we're going to talk about that quite a bit, but first let me tell you guys about ProFootballFocus.com really quickly, we have ordered two PFF Edge subscriptions out of like 10 reviews, so 20% of you guys are getting free PFF Edge subscriptions. Keep on writing those reviews in and we can keep on giving out free PFF Edge subscription. ProFootballFocus.com is the premier website when it comes to positional rankings, player grades, snap counts for you fantasy guys. They have rankings, tools, and charts for the fantasy community. For you draft nicks, they have college profiles and stats. And of course, the individual team pages, the Miami Dolphins PFF page is a fantastic resource for any Dolphins fan on the spectrum. And you can follow their Twitter account at PFF underscore Miami. And of course... For your chance to win that free PFF Edge subscription of $40 value, all you have to do is go ahead and leave a review on this podcast, on Apple Podcast or iTunes, whatever they're calling it these days, and leave your Twitter handle in that review, and we will draw at random one winner every time we get enough people to go ahead and make that draw happen. So ProFootballFocus.com, our sponsor here on the podcast. Let's go ahead and get right into the meat of the episode first and just kind of talk about the Monday game a little bit. I watched the film a little bit. I, I've been spending a lot more time my professional time or my amateur time here, whatever you want to call it, looking ahead to things that will have an impact on the Dolphins next season because I think this season, for all intents and purposes, is, the ship has sailed, and I know that's not what a lot of people want to hear. At 4-5, and five, they, like I said on the last podcast, they might be able to sneak in at 9-7, and seven, maybe even 8-8, eight and eight, but at that point, who really cares? The season's going to be lost, and once they get to the wild card round and get smoked by whoever they play in that game. So I'm not really focused on that. I know that we need to... Beat the Buccaneers on Sunday to get back to 500, and then we'll go to New England and, and just get railed there. So I, I don't think that that requires a whole lot of talk, but I did look at the film a little bit and, and looked at the offensive line in particular because I wanted to see how well Jesse Davis played at right tackle. I think he held up pretty well. The running game didn't get going a whole lot, but in pass protection, he did a good job. His feet are pretty impressive, actually. He can get that wide kick slide, and he can kind of anchor pretty good from that position. So I was pretty excited about Jesse Davis in that game. Mike Pouncey continues to just struggle, and him and Jermon Bushrod, for me, for my money, Jay Cutler is the biggest problem on this team, on the offense at least. And then it goes to Mike Pouncey and Jermon Bushrod, the center and right guard respectively. It, they just they aren't doing anything spectacular. They When Pouncey tries to climb to the second level, he usually misses his block. He can't really anchor in pass protection. Jermon Bushrod gets thrown back into the backfield as often as anybody I've seen. Looks kind of like Jonathan Martin in that respect. Left guard in this game, Ted Larson. I thought he had a good showing for his first performance of the year. I think we may have a possible starter in the future with him there. So, I mean, if you can find a starter out of Ted Larson and Jesse Davis, you can get both those guys to be starters. You're quickly on the path to a rebuild. And I just want to let you guys know, that this team is not going to draft an offensive guard in the first round. It's not going to happen, guys. Quentin Nelson's a Notre Dame prospect that everyone is privy to right now and high on right now. And he's a fantastic player. He's, he does a lot of things great for that team. But this team is does not value the offensive guard position enough to draft one in the first round. That is a high profile resource that has to be spent on a pick that is a high impact player. And those are your 
defensive ends, your quarterbacks, I should say your edge rushers, your quarterbacks, your cornerbacks, your perimeter, premier cover corners on the outside. And that's kind of the, the area of focusing the Dolphins will look at. They really need to find a replacement for Cam Wake in the next couple of years. I would probably just do it this year. You might say, well, Charles Harris is that guy. Well, for, technically, Charles Harris is taking over for Andre Branch, who is just... I'm not going to say anything about the guy because I don't have anything positive to say about Andre Branch at this point, so we'll just leave it at that. But Cam Wake, you know, as great as he is, he's going to run out of gas eventually here. I think he's still going to be a good pass rush specialist for this team, but Miami needs to go out and find a guy that can give you 80% of the reps on the end and play the run well and play the pass well, and hopefully they can get a guy like Bradley Chubb. He'll be long gone when they draft. Maybe even Harold Landry from Boston College. I'm going to keep giving you guys these names throughout the course of the uh, rest of the uh, rest of the season to get ready for draft season because that's kind of what we have to look forward to at this point. So the offensive line, if you can find a, a find in like Ted Larson or maybe Jesse Davis or one or even both of them would be would be incredible. If you can find that, you're quickly on the path to a. a a rebuild and an overhaul on the offensive line, which it desperately needs at this point. Larry Tunzel, I thought, played really well in this game. He had a really good kickout block, as well as Marquise Gray on the long Kenyon Drake touchdown run. And speaking of Kenyon Drake, that guy is really impressive, and he's been really explosive in his two starts or his two games so far since J.H.I. went out. The running backs in general have played well. They have really picked up the slack and, and basically giving you more production from the running back position, both in total yards and, and receiving the football as well as running the ball. And of course, we finally got our first rushing touchdown of the year, which is kind of cool to say, but it, it was short-lived after watching the defense. Give it up to Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers offense, who were just, they were on fire in that game. They were clicking on all cylinders. The Dolphins were out of position regularly. The linebacking play was terrible. Kiko Alonso had a rough, rough game. Lawrence Timmons was not much better. The secondary, Rashad Jones, he likes to gamble here and there, and he missed on a couple of opportunities. TJ McDonald thought had a rusty first game back and then Xavier Howard just the tape did not help him any more than my broadcast view of the game did so the secondary had a rough game the, the linebacker had a rough game the defensive line had a rough game that ends against that read option they don't know what they're doing against it and it's kind of easy to see I've been watching some of the Tannehill tape and we'll talk about that later and watching the way he stresses linebackers and edge and the edge players with the ability to keep the ball in the zone read and they, the way they defend him is you kind of have to commit a guy to the edge out there. And the Dolphins just don't really do that. I saw Charles Harris do it once where he kind of just stood there and planted his feet and they gave it off inside. And, and because he's out there, the, the inside runs wide open. So it looks like maybe he has some training. It's probably a little more obvious since he just came from the college game. And that's where that is a much more popular scheme and a much more popular play at the college level. But Andre Branch and Cam Wake just don't have, they have no idea what hit him on that play. So I, I you got to find someone that can go ahead and, and take a, a bigger role on the on the team in that aspect. And William Hayes, he's another you know pitch count type of guy. I think moving forward, going into 2018, you're going to want to have a rotation of possibly you know extend Will Hayes and use him and Cam Wake in a sub package role, kind of like a 40% type of snaps. And then Charles Harris is your primary guy, and then whoever the first round rookie is or high profile rookie that you draft is. I think would be a good way to approach the edge position this offseason. So the, that was the the film review. I don't really want to get any much more into it because you guys know it was brutal. It was terrible. Jay Cutler was awful in the game. His footwork was terrible. His accuracy was terrible. That pick at the end of the first half was just atrocious and set the team up for failure going into the second half. So a nightmare game. It's over. The Dolphins are 4-5. and five. They welcome the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for what should have been our opening day game back in September, but the Dolphins actually catch a break here because they will get Ryan Fitzpatrick instead of Jameis Winston, and before last week, I would have said, hey, maybe that's not such a bad thing for the Buccaneers because Winston's playing so bad at this point right now, and those mistakes that he continues to make, and I talked about it on my on my quarterback grading website, 3rd10.com, talking about how if Jameis can just cut out these one or two mistakes a game, these egregious, completely unnecessary mistakes that he's making where he's kind of throwing the ball, falling back, or getting 
getting sacked and just chucks it up. If he can cut those out of his game, he'll be a, an all-pro quarterback. Well, he hasn't done that, and he's regressed at other levels too. So Winston having a bad year. Fitzpatrick comes in, and he was just dreadful against the Jets. He will rip it wherever he wants to. And without Mike Evans to bail him out, he was throwing picks and just throwing the ball all, all over the yard and not in a good way. So the Bucks struggling. Their running game is pretty good. Doug Martin's a, a pretty good player. They can get some push in the running game. That's what the Dolphins are going to have to shut them down. And, of course, take care of Mike Evans. I would I would go with Cordray Tankersley on him and not let Xavier Howard anywhere near him because Howard's going to be pulling and grabbing and getting flagged all day if he has to guard Evans. So this game, I think, should be a good one for the Dolphins. I think it's going to be a good bounce-back game for them. You know, the, the Bucks come in reeling, and it looks like Dirk Cotter's not going to make it out of the season alive. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's just kind of like playing F at ball right now where he just kind of chucks it around a lot. So... I think the Dolphins can go ahead and seize this game and control the control the line of scrimmage in terms of the passing game because the Buccaneers' pass rush has been dreadful. They're going to have to find an answer for Gerald McCoy because he is continually a dominant player, just like Ndamukong and Sue is. So if they can kind of protect the edges with Jesse Davis and Laramie Tunzel and keep Cutler upright, they should be able to make some plays in the passing game enough to win. So I think in this game, the Dolphins are probably going to pull out a win. I, I'm going to say they're going to have a little bit of success in this game and actually find it win a game by a decent margin. I'm going to say 24 Dolphins, 13 Buccaneers. They get to 5-5 five and five and get our hopes up slightly before they go to New England to get just thrashed by the Patriots, who I think are going to win that game by 40 points. But that's a t- discussion for next week. We'll get into that here in a second. But first, this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. You can follow me on Twitter, at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Locked On Fins. We have tons and tons and tons of content going up on there, as well as LockedOnDolphins.com, where Ryan Tannehill has a featured piece on himself right now called The Savior, Ryan Tannehill. Some great artwork from Josh Hoots of Twitter at Hoots and uh, he he just does some phenomenal work with the Photoshop stuff but check out all that content and check out the Twitter content for GIFs and of course all my opinions on the Dolphins via the Twitter account. Getting back into it, I wanted to go ahead and talk about that Ryan Tannehill piece. It is titled The Savior, colon, Ryan Tannehill. And of course, it has a phenomenal picture of Ryan Tannehill donning Jesus garb because he is supposed to be our savior next year. And I'm here to tell you that maybe it might not be next year, but you check out LockedOnDolphins.com. I went ahead and examined some of his mechanics and some of his footwork that he improved upon last year. It went back to 2014 and found some zone read plays from one of his better games he played in his career against Denver Broncos when him and Peyton Manning had a shootout. And I found some of that zone read stuff that Bill Lazor was so fond of i went back to 2012 when he had mike sherman as offensive coordinator and found a sprint option or not sprint option a sprint right speed out route by devon best in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown against the buffalo bills on a thursday night game and i kind of just paired those things together talking about how his ability to stress linebackers and stress the defense with the play action game and the bootleg game and his ability to kind of attack that layered read where you have a tight end across the line of scrimmage you have a second layer route coming probably from the back side of the formation and then you have the option to run the football as a quarterback so you really stress the defense at three levels with the legs and with the arm and his ability to do all these things it helps the running game it helps the passing game it helps everything stay more manageable and the Dolphins are sorely missing that this year and the gif that I pulled from the Seattle game where I'm talking about his footwork now that was the most impressive thing that I saw on my my little review and I'm going to continue to do more on him as the summer goes or the winter goes on into the spring but the most impressive thing I saw was the footwork and the way he will keep his feet chopping, and anytime you see a quarterback make an inaccurate throw, whether it's high or wide or whatever, you can always look at the feet and you will always see them not parallel and not squared up and not in the right spot. Tannehill is has fantastic footwork. The way he can kind of slide back in the pocket, you know, you slide to the left when the pressure comes to the right, you're kind of moving backpedaling in a sense. He can still make throws on a dime from that platform. He can move to the right and throw 
back across his body with you know accuracy and strength and his feet are always square and he's always in the perfect position to attack a defense and it really is encouraging because it's something he improved along with his pocket presence throughout the course of his career and getting his ability to recognize the rush and find out where it is and find open passing lanes in the pocket whether it's inside the pocket or outside the pocket and to find a lane to throw the football from he can throw it from different arm angles there was a play in the Denver game where he kind of got caught and he had to throw a ball without the full range of motion of his arm and he's able to do that and put another zip on the football because he has the big arm talent so when you, you pair his legs in terms of a mobile quarterback, you put the feet together in terms of the pocket passing, you put the awkward platforms and different angles he can throw with his arm and the big strong arm and the touch and the zip and the accuracy. There's just so much to build off of. And I can't fathom how so many Dolphins fans can see all these flash plays over the course of the years and not be excited about it. He's had these stretches of games where he goes out and throws 15 touchdowns and five picks over the course of six or seven games. And, you know, with a average of 280 yards per game and 70% completion. And he has these long stretches of such impressive play that you really just get excited about his future and what he can be. And a lot of quarterbacks do kind of sprout late in their careers the way he possibly could beyond their 30s. You know, Matt Stafford did it. Case Keenum's having a revival right now in Minnesota. Alex Smith has been fantastic this year later in his career. So a lot of these quarterbacks kind of are late bloomers. And, and I think Tannehill, while he's been good, I think he can become great. And that's what this whole piece is about. And it might not happen from opening day. He might be a little bit rusty. It will have been 636 days since he last played a game when he makes that start. So yeah, he's kind of superhuman when it comes to his ability to heal and his ability to not sustain injuries until that Clay's Campbell hit, of course. But I think that he might struggle just a little bit. But I am so confident in this guy moving into 2018 and beyond because he just has all the traits you look for in a quarterback. He works his butt off. He's in the building every day. He's running stairs before these games. He's not a part of. He's part of the coaching the coaching on the sidelines as well as the game planning midweek. So just everything about the guy you have to like as a player and a person. And I think those inconsistencies in his game were starting to get ironed out last year. That eight-game stretch was basically Aaron Rodgers-esque in terms of the stats, and the film was matching it up as well. So I think that you can kind of iron out the consistency more as he moves on in his career, and you can expect more from him. All right, let's go ahead and wrap that up. And I want to read a couple of reviews before we get out of here for the podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, guys, and help us out by doing that. Leave us a review and a rating on the podcast on iTunes as well. Helps us out big time. Let's go ahead and get those reviews here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. All right, let's go ahead and get into some of the reviews on the Locked On Dolphins iTunes page. And let's read the first one here from Dolphin Sam. He says, Finn's passion at its finest. This podcast is a must for any Dolphin. It's great to listen to someone who has as much passion and loves the Dolphins as much as I do. Travis has years of Dolphins knowledge and is super real. Hashtag Finn's up at Sam underscore by the way. Sam, you've been a great Twitter follow the last couple of weeks. You've been uh, really hyping my stuff and you've been responding to me and I love those interactions with you guys. So go ahead and keep on doing that, Sam. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the review. And let's read the next one here before we get out of here. This is from Nickname They Want Me to Put. <laughs> Sports coverage is mostly ex-jocks repeating cliches. Real analysis requires actual work. Easier to mail it in. Don't want to rock the boat with real criticism. Thank goodness that somebody will rewatch games and give us real insight. We get to actually learn something. Fantastic review there. I love it, guys. Please keep writing me in, writing in those reviews to me, and I'll go ahead and keep reading them on the air. And, of course, for your chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription, leave your Twitter handle in that review the way Sam did there. And I'm going to go ahead and get out of here, guys, for the, for the show, and have a good rest of your weekend. I wanted to make a college pick before I got out of here. That's going to be kind of something I do on the podcast from here on out. I am taking the University of Washington and the 
University of Utah. I'm taking the over at 46 and a half points. I watched the Utah game last week. They played my WSU Cougars, and that was a uh, high-scoring affair and lots of turnovers and crazy stuff happening there and lots of big plays in the offense. So take the over in that game. It's going to pop. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at WinkfieldNFL, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for the savior Ryan Tannehill piece up live right now. That on FanRag Sports as well as LockedOnDolphins.com. Be back on Monday with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Dolphins football.